Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs who've built uh, successful companies for an audience of entrepreneurs who are building successful companies. And um, one of the early entrepreneurs that I interviewed on here was the founder of 99designs. And I kind of knew Matt offline too. And I said, Matt, do you know that after I interviewed you, I got a ton of hate? He goes, yeah. I said, doesn't it bother you? He said, look, there are a lot of people who don't like this idea that we're opening up design to the crowd, that any that if a, an entrepreneur like you, Andrew, wants to get a design set up, you can list yourself on 99designs and hundreds of designers will submit work and you only pay for the one that you like. There are people who are upset that the other designers aren't getting paid. I said, I get it, but aren't you upset that, that they're upset in public, that in the comments on my interview, he goes... Nah, all that talk is useless. Let them complain all they want. And if anything, actually, when I thought about it, it actually helped him because all those, all the talk about 99designs helped grow his business. He said, the people I really respect are the ones who are coming up with alternatives like Andrew Hyde, who complained and then also went on and created his own design platform. And I thought about that for years. I think protesting often is wasted time. The only thing that works is to actually come up with something better. And maybe it's unfair, maybe it's wrong, but it works. And so I'm really excited that today's guest, John Laster, somebody who had been out there protesting, and I wonder how he feels about my characterization of the effectiveness of protesting. But he said, you know what? Why are we protesting? Why are we just shouting Black Lives Matter? Why aren't we doing something about it? And he decided he was going to do something about it. John Laster, successful comedian, decides, you know what? I'm jumping in and I'm going to create a startup. And he created an app called Blap, which is a marketplace of black-owned local businesses. And I'm excited to have him on here to talk about how he did this. And uh, we can do it thanks to my sponsor, HostGator. If you need a website, host it. And John, I think you might need one. I'm going to urge my listeners and John to go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy later. But John, good to have you here. Yo, great to be here. Uh, before we get started, though, um, Blap is not only local businesses um, around the world, but you can also shop online for Black-owned businesses on the app as well. Oh, I didn't realize that. So if I decide that I want to buy something for my wife for Christmas this year that is uh, from Black-owned business, I can go to your app, buy it, and it'll come in the mail. Absolutely. Are you making Absolutely. big money from this? You know what? Not a penny. <laughs> no, not a penny. Not a penny. What is going on? Not a penny. This is all sweat equity right now. I mean, they'll there okay. will come they'll yeah, they'll they'll come a day where, you know, the the money comes rolling in. But yeah, right now, no, it's all sweat equity. Yeah. So no no not making any money yet. I heard one of your shows where in the middle of a show you said, anyone Jewish here, which is something only a comic can do. <laughs> and a guy says, I'm Jewish. And you say, good, I'm proud. You people, you don't just protest. You protest with your wallet. I feel like that's what you're trying to get done here. You say, we, my, my community is not doing that enough. Is that, is Blap your response to what you said to him? Blap is, not only is it my response to what I said to him, but it's something that I've believed in for a long time. I was an econ major with, a, with an emphasis in poverty. So I understand, I understood way back then, you know, in my, you know, late teenage years that if you're not circulating the dollar, if you're not able to um, to move the dollar around in, in your community, you don't, there's no path out. You know what I mean? You're just going to keep chasing your tail and end up with these same problems. We live in a capitalist society. So I understand all the marching, the yelling and screaming to highlight a problem. I totally get that. I'm not mm -hmm. knocking it, but that's not a sustainable solution. 
All right. Do you think that people will just shop based on the background of the store owners? Won't they shop based on the better product, the better delivery, the better experience, et cetera? Absolutely. You but do. I, I don't I, I do believe that there are lots of people who are willing to support. There are a lot of people. Let me let me start with saying this. I think there's a lot of people that know that black business owners since the time that we got here 400 years ago have had headwinds. I'll just call it headwinds. I don't want to get any <laughs> political or racism because then, you know, all of that, oh, anti-racist, you're, you know, you're this, you're that. But I think that we can all agree that if you came here as slaves, that you had headwinds. Some, okay. Yeah. That you've had a tougher time uh-huh. building wealth. So there have been headwinds. And this is a way to, um, to combat that. And there are people who look for black owned businesses knowing that we've had headwinds. And this is by far, I don't think anyone would argue the easiest tool to find black owned businesses in the history of this country. That's a fact. I don't think anyone would argue that. Okay. Though I have to say, I went in and I used Blap and one of the local businesses that I saw, we like to eat vegetarian. My, my kids are raised vegetarian. It was Next Level Burger. I said, wait a minute. I've seen Next Level Burger. That's amazing. They're owned, I thought they were owned by Whole Foods. So then I went out online and they're not owned by Whole Foods. Apparently, they're just in Whole Foods uh, supermarkets. But then there was an about page and I saw the people who owned it. They are the opposite of black. I don't know actually yes. that there's an opposite of black. They definitely are not black. Yes. Where do you get your data and how do you ensure that the data is accurate? Yes, the, the data is public data. And trust me, there is no 100 um, percent accurate public data which is why we built right into the app. And the next time you see this, Andrew, yeah. you just check the, the top right corner of whatever it is that you're looking at, and you can flag that business to let us know that it's inaccurate. And all of that is all of those businesses that shouldn't be in there are taken out on a daily basis. So that's as simple as just tapping the flag and telling us, hey, this isn't accurate. All right. I didn't realize that I could do that. All right. For the, yes, for the yeah. most well, I'm part. I'm glad you asked. Just in case other people have that problem, they they can quickly do the same thing. It's a quick fix. All right. I like how uh, easy the app is to use. I kind of feel like Shopify needs an app that's this good. Like, why do I have to go and figure out what the alternative store is to Amazon? Why haven't they yet come out with, like, basically what you've done is I feel like what they should do, a mall that just works. Yes. Um, all right. Let's talk it took, about it how It took you- us a long time to do that, though. <laughs> I don't know. How long did it take? I actually, I know the development company that you worked with, it's TopTal, right? It's not yes. like you hired a developer yourself. You didn't, you're not a developer, right? No, no. Yeah, I they, definitely, definitely had to reach out. Yeah. And got some very, very, very competent people at TopTal. But we, we worked our butts off, man, probably for the last eight months. And I've been working on it for around five or six before that to make it very simple, to make sure that it was super simple. So how long did it take you guys to have this de- developed? About a year and a half. Oh, wow. Yeah. From conception to final launch, a year and a half? Yes. Wow. And that is that how long TopTal took to build it? No, I didn't take TopTal that long. They were only, they've been on board probably for around seven months, eight months. Seven months to launch. Seven months, yes. Got yeah, it. Because, uh, months, I yeah. see. And the time yeah. before that was you sketching out, thinking it through, it, figuring out how to get this whole thing done, raising money for yes. it, et cetera. Got getting, it. Getting the, getting the prototype. Um, so there was a lot of that. And then getting feedback, making the adjustments before we before we handed it over. Yeah, at the top tap. One of the co-founders of Venmo invested? Yes. 
just got as a matter of fact i i literally literally just hung up with ikram before i came on with you i i was like oh man i gotta i gotta jump on with with andrew and now how do you know how do you know him you know what it was a mutual friend um who who saw blap and was like this is incredible you should meet a buddy of mine and um and anna you know made the connection and 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 to be honest with you me and Ikram hit it off immediately. You know, it was uh-huh. like a bromance, like day one, you know, and we, we went to eat and then we, we ended up hanging out for like another three hours or something like that. And, 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 um, and this guy's been, uh, beyond valuable. Um, a, a buddy of mine years ago, I don't want to name drop. So I'll just do it. Uh, name drop. No, no, no. He, he, he told me, he said, John, if you're the smartest guy in your crew, you need a new crew. Um, so I, so I keep people that are much smarter than me, like Ikram around. All right. This is your first startup, but let's go back and just understand how you built your career because there, first of all, you've got a successful comedy career, which is tough enough, but also one where it's, I just had way more videos of you on other shows, on programs, uh, stand up online to watch than I ever could. I wonder how you did that. How old were you when you started in comedy? When I started in comedy, oh man, 21. 21. No experience yes. before that. You were just a student no. studying poverty. No. And then what got you started in comedy? I was actually playing ball. So I was a ball player before okay. Rome. And I um, I don't know. I was just terrified of, of a nine to five and getting up in the morning. You know, I, yeah. that's just not, you know. It's not my thing. So I um, I was always the funny guy in the locker room and um, and I had a talk show on campus and I wanted to be a talk show host, actually. And then somebody told me that everyone that I had seen on TV or the movies that I had mentioned, 100 percent of them were stand up comedians first. So I, uh, uh, I packed one box and and moved out here to New York to my sister's couch and put the box down and started bawling. <laughs> literally crying oh my sister was terrified she was like oh don't worry i can buy you a ticket back home you know <laughs> i wasn't I, I wasn't crying because of because i wanted to go home i was crying because i knew once i set that box down i was never going back home under any circumstances unless i was in a box that was because that was my commitment to myself that you're gonna make it or die trying or literally die trying literally why literally. why do you feel like you had the need to do it so badly um, I just, I had made the mistake, uh, as a ball player, um, I was, I was, um, playing college ball. And I remember my, my high school coach telling me, once you pick a school, no matter what stick with it, it'll eventually work out. And I okay. transferred from the first school that I signed with back to another school where the head coach despised me and it probably cost me an NBA career. And I wasn't going to make the same mistake twice. Ah, all right, and so New York is a really good place to get into comedy because they're, they're comedy shows, right? I'm talking about everything from the ones that we've seen on television to some random thing in Alphabet City in somebody's bombed-out apartment, right? Yes. The yes. thing is, though, <laughs> that a lot – I saw my sister do that. It was I've, uh, I've done comedy in a laundromat, so your sister – Literally in a laundromat while people are doing their laundry. Literally had a comedy show in a laundromat. Is that the weirdest place that you've done it or the toughest spot? The toughest spot was probably Giant Stadium getting booed by five thousand people. At uh, why they boo you? 
they couldn't see me. I mean, it was it was the, they refused. They wouldn't let chairs be put on the on the field because they didn't want okay. the field getting messed up. And the first person oh. was. <laughs> so the first person is probably a hundred yards from me. Keep in mind that this is a music concert. They're setting up drums behind me. They're setting up the music. Wow. These people couldn't see me. They just handed me a mic and they were like, hey, John, I'm sorry. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> what was the show that you got uh, that you were performing on? Budweiser Superfest, man. And I, I went down in flames. And then I started snapping on some people. Like I started pretending that I could see them. So I was like, oh, I know that's not you booing me with your big feet. Your feet so big, you're always halfway home. I threw a couple of those little snap jokes out there. Yeah. They all start laughing, and I took off running. Ah. All yeah. right, so you get to your sister's couch with your box. You're ready to be in New York. How did you get started? Um, going on stage and bombing every night, man. You know. Did you make it up as you went along, or were you somebody who'd write it out ahead of time? I would write it out ahead of time, but none of it worked, you know, mm. and then eventually you get one laugh and then you you throw another, you know, you tag that onto something, get a second laugh and another laugh. And then eventually you find your way into people are like, oh, this guy's going to be OK. And um, and then and then it got it got good to me. Uh, I'm seeing hearing so many sirens. That is such a New York thing. I New used York to City. live on like the 12th floor and I would still hear sirens. Yes. Then you leave New York and you realize not every city puts first of all, sirens everywhere and puts their garbage like right in front of the front door. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. So you're getting on there. You're stand, you're doing stand up. How many times a week? Back then it was only three or four. I mean, it, it eventually evolved into six or seven, you know, six or seven times. And then you're telling your jokes. How do you pay attention for, for good rea reactions? Are you recording it so that you can repeat the ones at work? Yes. And then you start milking where the laughter is. Okay. Yeah. When you record it, do you go back and listen to it? Do you go back and, and read the transcripts of everything? What do you do? You go back and listen to it. Or, I mean, now, you know what I mean? We've all got cell phones. So you're just watching the video. I and mean, you it's watch yourself on video. Yeah, it's terrible. Oh, that's so nothing, painful. Nothing worse than watching yourself on video. Um, but that's what you got to do to, you know, to, to figure out where the, what, what you're doing good and pull the weeds out where it's bad. Do you remember one of the first ones that worked? One of the first jokes that I that I told, um, I I I I remember it was you, you're talking about many moons ago, but I the joke was about the movie Dances with Wolves, and it was like, hey man, you know, I'm glad that you know we don't name, you know, we don't have names like that or nicknames like that for our friends anymore. Can you imagine if we all had nicknames like that? And the, I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but <laughs> I was like, like, so then I would point to someone in the crowd and I was like, what if your name was sneaking out of a fat bitch's crib? <laughs> People, I don't think you can say fat anymore. <laughs> I don't even think you can say fat anymore. What and happened now, to you? This is the second time that you're worried about in, in our, what has been 15 minute conversation. Second time you're worried about what you're saying. Is it because of that, the thing that happened in Atlantic city? Oh no, not getting thrown out of the casino. That was totally different. That's that's just people who were just uh, you know, Trump crazy. I saw it on I Vice. Mean, what you said was not even I don't no, even think it was offensive or shocking at all. Not at all. No. They just they, they just, just didn't want any politics and then there are people who no, are sensitive they didn't to want politics. anyone talking about Trump. They didn't care about politics. You mean the audience didn't? Yes. The audience was a lot older and very concerned. Okay. So that's not what's making you so 
touchy now about what you're saying about politics? No, I mean, now you just never know, man. There's always really? looking for something that you said that's offensive or triggering or, you know, you hurt so-and-so's feelings. So, so you how do you be- not pay attention? I, you know what? I used to worry about that so much in my interviews. I said, what if I say something that comes across as racist? And I don't even mean to say it, but it yes. comes across, right? Yes. And so I would avoid it completely. It's Some dude thing. would say, I'm in India, and this is what it's like in India. And he's trying to like pour his heart about India. And I go, yeah, so tell me about what's going on online with AWS. <laughs> How's the service? And like, what the hell? Yeah. Yeah, there's there's people, man. No matter what you say, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna go through with a fine tooth comb. I'm surprised that that doesn't stop you from that doesn't get you in your own head. I had to just let it get out of my head completely, or else I couldn't function. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Normally I do, but you know, some of this, you know, you never know what they're gonna dig through that's gonna come back to haunt you. You know, right when things get good, it's gonna be like, look what the CEO Blap said about, uh... you know. <laughs> about larger women like no it was a, i was saying it was an old joke like <laughs> everybody oh, wow. delete black <laughs> i see you're in like a ceo mode because you know what i saw your butt like naked yeah. full-on butt online yes yes right so you're not a, doing that anymore comedian, as a comedian it's like whatever but when you're representing oh i see now you've got the black shirt on with the black yes. logo yes. you're talking as got it that's yeah, why when, you, when you're representing the startup you got it. i'm i'm i'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to be All right, very let's, much more let's careful. Let's get into business then. So then you're you're telling your jokes, and then at some point you decide, as you are telling me before we got started, that you were going to produce your own, your own shows. Yeah, you know what? I wanted to get into the business of comedy, and I got into that pretty early. So I started producing my own weekly shows, and I ended up having like four shows a week, which is unheard of in New York City. The way it but, works uh, is, if I understand right, you team up with a bar or or a club, right? Yes. They let you bring on the acts that you want, and then I guess they pay you for that, or you split the door or something. I mean, there's a million different ways. How'd you do it? It's, it's your it's your own business, so you figure out how to do it. You know, some people like took the door. Some people asked the bar for said budget and let the bar keep the door and the drinks. My my deal was always the same. My deal was always I was going to take the door and 20% of the bar. Get out. The door yeah. and 20% of the bar. Where did you yeah. do this? Oh man, I don't even know countless bars in Brooklyn. And so you just get a mailing list together. Is that what it was that you used yeah. to promote it? How would yeah. you get your email list? Um I mean it starts with you just probably being out you know, and saying, hey, this is where I'm going to be. Let me get your information, you know. And then eventually we move to, you know, you're promoting online and more and more people follow you online. Hey, this is where I'm going to be this week. Come down, come down, come down. And then, you know, people come down, you get their information, emails, their phone numbers, whatever. What'd you do? At the door, you'd, you'd have somebody check their check yes. their ID and then say, enter your email or write it out here. Yes. Got it to know about the next show. And that's how you're yes. building your list. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's you, uh, you going. That's so familiar. I started Mixergy with local events. I thought that, you know what, if I do local events myself, then they could spread beyond me and then I could grow my list and so on. It was kind of fun. And one of the fun things about it is that when you do online businesses the way I have my my whole life, my adult life, there's it's all numbers on a screen. But when it's real people coming in the door, you get to feel it. You get to see the size grow. You get 
nervous? Will you see enough people in there excited when they come in? You know, at some point, every extra dollar is a profit. It's kind of fun. Yeah. 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 It, I, it, well, it goes both ways because in the beginning, it can be very stressful, you know, when you're sitting there and you got to host a show and there's only seven people there. Right. And then you what know, are the people, what do you, what was your deal with the comics who are standing up with you? Um, I, you know what? I paid them, um, you know, different based on how long they've been doing comedy, but it was, it was the same rate, you know, that all the other okay. little bar shows were paying. But it wasn't a bringer show or wasn't them no. having to pay you. No, God, it wasn't that. So worst case, you just let them down and you spent money on them. But it's not terrible. It's not like they brought their friends in and now they've got nothing but their friends to perform for. Yeah. And I was always I, fair with the money. So, I, I mean, you know, you can't you, you're not going to stay in business very long if you're not taking care of people. You know, if you're not giving people what you told them you were going to give them. So some nights I was losing money, you know. Wow. But that's just the nature of the beast. Um, and you were during the day, I picture you just making phone calls to local clubs, seeing if you could get on stage, checking to see who's a funny person. That was the whole thing. Writing jokes, working out. Writing jokes. Being hungover. <laughs> being hungover. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so lucky I have not been, until recently I didn't get hungover, but COVID ruined that streak because <laughs> I got out of practice. And then suddenly I sat on the couch with Olivia, my wife. We just had a, a few drinks and the next day I felt it. It was like, oh, that is why when I went out with friends, they watch how much they drank like grandmothers yeah. yes. because it really is painful. Oh, it's very painful. Yeah. You can't very function painful. very well. It slows you down. You feel uh, like you're like walking through molasses instead of high yes. energy the way I usually am. Uh, all right. Um, my first sponsor, I should say, or my only sponsor for this interview, it's HostGator. I got to tell you, John, I looked you up before you came on here. You don't have JohnLaster.com. You don't have a home page, a home base. I feel like that's a mistake. Why don't you? Why is it that what I see is Instagram but nothing else? Good point. And I need to get a, a JohnLaster.com. I had John Laster um, comedy and it is it was hijacked. Oh, oh you mean <laughs> well, literally somebody took it? By some Chinese hackers who turned it into an online casino. Oh, wow. Yeah. Very disturbing. <laughs> that is disturbing, actually. Very dis some to see your name as a Chinese casino is like, what happened to your people? Um, so yeah, they hacked my 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 joint, and now it's an online casino. So yeah, I do need a, a job. We need Lasseter. a brand new one. It might be John Lasseter, businessman, John, La whatever it is. I'll tell you why. We're googling you before we come on, and right now all I see is what other people have said about you. And then some of it is good. Some of it has freaking typos. Like John should not be treated that way. I like that your eyes just did that thing when I said typos. Like that, I was saying it as like a like a joke, a little t comedy or not comedy, a little lighthearted way. But you got you took that seriously. I like that you care about the details like that. You do, don't you? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It was like on somebody's bio about you that happened to show up as I was scrolling through. But I feel like if you have your own domain, you could decide what I see about you. It could be your about page that I read instead of, I don't know, what am I seeing? The standnyc.com's about page and a couple of others. All right. Listen up, people. If you're like John and you don't have a web page with your own personal name on it, just go and get it. Even if you have to do John Lasseter comedy or John Lasseter not casino, whatever it is, get it on .com. Build a page. You could even ignore it, frankly. What you want is something that can build a little bit of credibility over the years so that when someone's Googling you, and it's going to be people like me for interviews, it's also going to be, I, I Google the, the parents of the kids 
that my friends are hanging out with. I want to know who they're hanging out with. Yeah. I, they, I should see the pages that they want me to see, not some random thing that's written on the internet about them. And same thing goes for my audience. You should decide what people see about you when they Google you. And the best way to do that is to go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy and create a page with them. It's inexpensive. You own your own domain. If you're not happy with them, you get to take your stuff and walk away. But if you use my URL, you get a super low price. Hostgator.com slash Mixergy. All right. Um, at what point did you feel like I think I've uh, I'm done doing my own shows and producing? I'm too big for this. Yeah, you, you know what? I mean, I started doing a bunch of colleges, and then I wanted to start working in the mainstream clubs in Manhattan, and the two just didn't weren't going to go together because it was just because? too much. It's too much effort and energy for the bar shows to actually be you know the the, the legwork that you have to do to get into those clubs. It's a lot of, it was a lot of just hanging out. They just want to see your face. They want mm. you to show up and kind of smooth with them. Um, and that, that wasn't gonna, that wasn't gonna gel with producing a show. So, you know, I was able to make that transition and now I'm at the greatest show on earth down at the comedy cellar. So it paid off. But the, the upside of having done that work was you get to do your own stand up. You get to introduce people and move it along. You get to see what's working by paying attention to other comics. What else? What did you get beyond the money? I think more than anything is you get the network. Because if you're just going out as a comedian, right, and you're just getting on a show, mm -hmm. you walk in, you get on stage, and you know maybe you hang out and then you leave. But as the person who is running the entity, I'm putting money in people's pockets. You know what I mean? Ah, so now these, I'm putting people on yeah. shows with certain people. There are yeah. people who get to see me that also would say, come to my spot. Comedians that were in front of me that would say, hey, John, I'm doing this big show. You want to host it? Ah, yeah. Yes. Got it. So the network that came from that was way greater than had I just been coming as some hired comedian. Do you know what I mean? I do. You know what? I remember reading a biography about Howard Stern, and one of the things that stuck with me was the biographer almost said it as a put down that Howard would get on the air every day, do a show, and then right afterwards go and talk to reporters and say, here's the thing that I did. Here's the amazing thing that I did. And the the writer almost acted like how how little of this guy to have to go and tell everybody how how big he is. I thought that's actually pretty smart. Did you do a lot of self-promotion? How did you get out there beyond the clubs? Um, I think that as comedians, we all do some self-promotion. I don't think that I've been as smart as about that as some yeah. of my counterparts. I'm you not know? either. Like you, yeah. you don't even go online and say, here's the show that I was on. Here's this wacky thing that happened backstage. You don't do that at all, right? Or yeah. a little you do that. I, I mean, a, a little bit, but I have friends who are who are much more skilled at that and I'm getting better at it. And I'm, and, and for all of the things that I screwed up with that in comedy, I'm trying to make sure that I don't make those same mistakes with, uh, with black. So uh, meaning I'm now you're going, taking on media now. Yes. Got it. Yes. I'm much more media savvy with black. Okay. You know what I mean? I mean, we just launched, you know, we're talking about a couple of weeks ago and there's already been five or six write-ups. So Blap is much more media darling than John Laster ever was. I saw that. I think the latest one that I saw was, was it the Daily News? Yes. Yeah. So how's that working? How do you do, how do you get that press? 
Um, it was people that had that had talked to me in some capacity from comedy. And I just essentially, you know, pitched them like, hey, I got this thing. It's super interesting. And then when I, after I asked them to download it, everyone who downloads Blap is like, this is very different. Like, you've done something really crazy here. And then they were like, hey, yeah, we're definitely going to cover this. You know, which leads to other people covering it. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know what it is? It is, I actually didn't think it was that crazy or different. I assumed that other people had done it. But now that you mention it, I don't think it has been done. I think that Shopify at one point tried creating an app. Maybe they have it. It just never took off. Oh, I kind of like this as, imagine if Blap became a platform for other people to put together online stores for whatever it is, like to create to create malls for themselves. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know why I haven't seen more of this, of people who are saying, I'm not happy with Amazon. I'm looking for something else that's not generic. But I need more selection than going to Google and saying, now I want to buy parachute. I just want an easy thing that allows me to shop from multiple stores without any headaches. And yes. nobody's done that as far as, at least I don't know of a, of a brand that's done that. Yeah, I don't either. Ooh, that'd be I a good either. one. So, yeah. That'd be a good one. Would you be willing to do that, John? Would you be willing to take the app and say, all right, now if you're an Asian entrepreneur and you want to create the blap for the Asian community, this is the way to do it. Or... If you're just somebody who wants to, I don't know, support a certain kind of attitude, like the biker lifestyle, this is the app that lets you create that mall. Would you be would you consider that, or does this need to be focused? Oh, I would no, no, no. I would consider anything. I mean, the the amount of effort and energy that it took us to get where we are, I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely going to stay focused on this until we get it um, to where I know it can be, and then. And then I'll yeah I'll circle back around and and start uh, and and start and start looking at other ventures. What's the end goal? Where are you thinking of taking this? Um, I think that you know my, I I have some things that I would like to see happen on Blap in uh -huh. the near future, and I think if all of those things were implemented and Blap was a part of the fabric of people's shopping experience, I don't know that there's any need for me, um, you know, involved after that. So you just want to be part of the conversation of let's go, let's go buy something. Well, instead of go Googling it, instead of going to Amazon or local stores, let's just put a little thought into it. Yeah. Let's, you That's know it. what, let's, I just want, as long as every once in a while somebody, you know what, let's blap it. And then, uh -huh. um, I'm, I'm cool with that. As long as it's part of. Why? Why don't you have a bigger ambition for it? Like think about your career. You're someone who's determined, right? Absolutely. What's the biggest show you ever did? Ah, uh, the biggest show that I've ever did. Hmm, that's a good question. I've done some. I've done some stadiums, some arenas, uh, maybe a, a a Big Twelve conference that I did, which was a, a completely filled basketball okay. arena. Yeah. Yeah. So there was what probably about like seven, eight thousand kids there. And then was Vice the one that had the biggest uh, viewership? The Vice stand up. Hmm. Probably what are some not. of the big ones? Yo, I know this is going to sound crazy. I've had videos go viral that had way more views than that. Re oh, you're saying your videos have gone viral and gotten more views than their show, the stand-up yes. that you did with Vice. Ah, Because right. it's not that kind of world anymore where you need some platform like Vice. Like, you know what I mean? My own platform, you know, I've done millions of views on videos. It does give credibility, though, don't you think? I think it gives credibility. 
I think it gives credibility. No? Maybe I, I I think that 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 word is waning. I don't think so. Why do you think that that that? I have friends. I have friends who are on television shows with what you would deem credibility. I also have friends who have social media followings. The friends on those television shows would struggle to fill up one night at a comedy club, whereas my friends who have social media followings fill up could fill up a basketball arena, no problem. I guess what I'm thinking is I don't know. I don't know if you deem that basketball arena credible or not. No, no, I de- it's it's not I think it's different. I think that with good online um following, you can definitely get more people to show up to buy your stuff to care. <clears throat> but I'm I'm saying that I feel like being on someone else's platform like Vice adds a sense of credibility that doesn't necessarily mean more sales, more anything beyond just that it's like a logo. People take it more seriously. It's kind of like when Matthew McConaughey is on all these whiskey billboards here in Austin. I don't even know what the hell the whiskey is. It's like some no-name new whiskey, but he's associated with it. They're signing him up and they're paying him because being associated with him adds credibility to this no-name whiskey. It's that kind of a thing. Don't you think that somebody else's brand attached to yours in some way helps? I, I think that I think that your, you your your I think that your vision of what's credible is waning. Really, I think that's a very old uh, way of looking at things. Put it. I'll give you an example. Right, uh-huh. I'm CEO. Right, mm-hmm. would I rather have you know some whatever celebrity pushing my thing or an influencer online making the same video for Blap? I, I want the person that I know does numbers. If it's a celebrity and their social media doesn't do numbers, they don't have as many followers or they don't have as much engagement, I would much rather have the influencer pushing pushing my brand. I get your point. I think, though, that um, I'm trying to think of what, what the guy's name, Shep, uh, Shep Gordon. So I interviewed Shep Gordon after his documentary. I fell in love with it. He talked about how he got Alice Cooper and then all these other people famous. Um, and he said one of the things that he would do is what he called guilt by association. He would take an upcoming um, performer that he was trying to get uh, get a bigger audience for and just get them photographed with someone like John Lennon, get them photographed with somebody who was who had more credibility or had was better known. He says when you stand next to someone and people see you together, that that star power kind of rubs off on them. I feel like the same thing happens now. The same thing happened to me with I'll give you another example, John. I would interview people and I would I would say, "Wow, you were in the New York Times. It's amazing." They would always tell me being in the New York Times didn't give them more customers. They got more customers from some no-name blog. But Putting the New York Times logo on their landing pages and homepage and saying, as seen on the New York Times, that would increase sales and get more perform more, more of those landing pages to perform. And that's what I'm talking about. That there's some kind of what Shep Gordon would call guilt by association. You associate whatever positive vibe you have about vibe, vice, even if it's it's unearned, with the person who's on there. What do you think? I, I I'm gonna agree with you in terms of things like the New York Times, but you still have to know when that, when that, when that logo works. So for example, to your point about credibility, the, the press 
a New York Times article, I would use that for investors. Right. Makes black right. credible with investors, right? Right. Um, so I think from that standpoint, yeah, it depends on who you're talking to. But I still think that it's it's still going to be an older people who believe in this older model that say, oh, yeah, that's that's credible now. Do you know what I mean? I, I think do. that you are very, very because I'm, because maybe I'm using older uh, references like Vice and New York Times. I would yeah. say the same thing happens with Mr. Beast. When I see Mr. Beast on somebody's uh, show, I think, oh, you know what? I thought this was a little guy. I think this makes sense. When I saw um, this blogger get into Elon Musk's uh, um, factory and then do an article, I'm going to get the the the. The blogger on here soon because he was able to build a business based on it. I think, oh, this is somebody who, if Elon Musk is taking him seriously, I should take him seriously, right? I think that there's some kind of guilt by association. We take these names that we're familiar with, that we respect in some way, and when they're standing next to someone or when you're standing on their stage, there's some of that power, that star power that rubs off on them. You don't, you agree with that, right? So let me ask you this: to your point, what mm -hmm. you just said, right? When you, when it's someone that people deem is whatever in their field. So what I'm saying to you yes. is some of these younger, younger people deem these influencers exactly what you just described. All right. I think we're saying the same thing. I think I, I just, I, I, I just said that, um, I think maybe I use vice as a bad example, but I, I, I take your point. I think, I think we're, we're saying, saying the, same, the same, thing. same thing. I just think that, that credibility that you're talking about from vice in now there's certain circumstances where some of these people have built up such a following that they are the credibility. Meaning if you're in the videos yes. of these yes. people, people deem that like, oh, my God, you were in video with da -da -da, who's got 10 million followers. This guy must be good. Yes. So I would even say, John, so imagine if you were to do an interview show like I'm doing here with people who are well known in 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 comedy, people who are who are activists. And then you got to like get a power quote from them and then put that on the app or on the landing page. And now you've got their credit. It's not that them saying something is going to send a bunch of people over, but I think when people open up the app or when they come to the site or when they read about it, it adds a lot of credibility. Yeah. I think we're saying the same thing here. All right. The reason that I saw your butt is uh, <laughs> that you were promoting a show during COVID. People did crazy stuff in COVID. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Johnny Knoxville went all white haired. And um, so I saw that, that you did it. And it's because you had a Zoom show to, per to promote, right? Was this yes. your own Zoom show? Yes. How was that? How was it to go back and promote again? You know what? I mean, it was, and, and it, produce, it was, I, I it should was, say. It was almost like. Um, it was almost like getting back with someone that you used to date, right? You see them, you're like, oh my God, she's looking good, you know? Uh -huh. And then you start talking, you're like, hey, let's go out. We should get back together. And then you do. And then five minutes into the date, you're like, oh, that's right. That's why I quit doing this. Oh, really? <laughs> so the excitement was, hey, I get to do this, make it my own. It's kind of got it. And then what was the part that you didn't like? And my thinking was, wait a minute. Uh -huh. Now, you know, of course, I've got 30,000 followers, right? It'll be easier. I can just slide them onto Zoom. They don't have to show up. They right. can make it from wherever they are, sitting in their household with nothing to do. And then you are reminded 
that, oh, that's right, I still have to set up these cameras, these lights. I still have to have somebody run the sound. I still have to keep promoting uh, online, keep promoting online, yeah. check the ticket master. This, and then you're like, that's right, no matter what, it's work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's way more work than when I walk into the cellar, I get on stage, the place is already packed. I, you know, I perform, they give me my money as soon as I walk in and I walk out. Yeah. It's not the same as when you have to do your own thing, when it's your, you know, when it's your baby, yeah. um, there's just so much more work. So it was one of those reminders of, oh, that's right. That's why I stopped doing this. How much revenue did you make from it? I didn't make much money at all. A couple G's. That was it. Yeah. Five G's, six G's. Okay. That yeah. is a ton of promotion for, for that uh, and a ton of putting yourself out there too. So much. I've got, I do have a friend though who started, he, his thing really took off in LA. He got out in front of it. He started at the very beginning of COVID, but his um, show became lucrative. I, I know that his gate had to be well over 40 grand a show. What do you think he was doing differently? I think he started. I think the timing of it, there was people had nothing to do. And he, one, he shot it in his, I think it was a backyard. So it looked good. There was a real stage. They yeah. were outdoors. So it wasn't, there was no ch chance of people feeling squeamish about it. Um, and he started at the very beginning of the of the pandemic. With a live audience. Yeah. Oh, God. And the 40K was from the live audience being there outdoors. No, the 40K is all the people that were on, on this, that came oh, in wow. on Zoom. Okay. But he was able to have a presentation. It felt like a show. Yeah, you know what? The people who jumped in early and were willing to look like, in in some of the in some of my cases, some of my friends, I felt like they were bordering on scumbag behavior, right? Like they were selling uh, like Purell knockoffs, and I thought this almost looks like you're capitalizing on what's going on. <laughs> but in the end, <laughs> if they were willing to take the arrows, some of them ended up doing really well and helping a lot of people. You know? Yeah. Right. I actually, uh, I actually did a a Purell skit where I was like a dope dealer <laughs> that was selling Purell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it that, felt that like skit that went mega viral at the beginning of the pandemic. You see, and that also, well, no, when you're kind of laughing at the situation, you're not seen as taking advantage of it. But if you're a person who's offering online courses in the early days of the pandemic and saying, look, you're stuck from home, might as well make money from it. Here's the online course. That's borderline scumbag stuff. But a lot of them ended up being pioneers in what now we consider the creator economy that's taken off. That's just that's the right move, I think, to say, I'm just here creating. It's, you know, <laughs> and just jump in. Uh, All right. All right. Congratulations on Blap. I didn't know. By the way, you're one of the first people that TopTal was willing to create a full app for. They used they're not my sponsor anymore. They used to be my sponsor when they were. Obviously, people signed up because they were there for, for years as my sponsor, but a lot of people were also upset because what they wanted was just TopTal to just build the whole thing from top to bottom. And they said, no, we're just in the business of getting you developers on your team. We're not in the business of creating the whole thing. Now, I guess they do, right? They did the whole thing for you. Well, I I actually, when I got to them, we had a a very dope prototype that had already turned heads. That was working. So they... um. You know, they, they got the UX where it's now it's, you know, I, I know other UX designers that are like, this app is beautiful. Um, so I, I've got a guy that's over the top talented. I would give his name, but I know his phone will be blown up. I want to keep him to myself. <laughs> well, I'm not going to do that. 
Um, but he he did the thing, man. And so yeah, but we we had a um, we had a, a a pretty dope working prototype when we got there, and then we we built out from there. And they they built it from from they rebuilt it after that. They yes. took your prototype. They said, "We see what we're doing. We're going to rebuild the thing." For yes, you. got it. Yeah, it does work. So uh, I went to Next Level Burger in Austin, and I flagged it. And now somebody's going to look at it in the next few hours. That's Great. right. All right. It works beautifully. And I like how you also integrate with uh, Yelp. I ordinarily have to tell you, I don't love Yelp. Yelp is it's a bit frustrating. It's like you go look for a restaurant there, and they say, well, how about this place? And how about that place? And how about this barber? And I go, that's not what I was looking for. I get it. They're all paying you, and so you're going to stuff the, the results. I like the Blap doesn't do that. Right. Not yet. Right. Not yet. <laughs> Actually, it is a natural for, for taking some ads. And I think it's going to be a long time before you get as, I feel like they're getting desperate, where they just have to stuff it with ads that aren't relevant. Um, but I feel like it's a natural. People are coming in looking for businesses. It's natural for some of these businesses to say, we'll pay a little bit more to show up at the top of the search results to show up above next level burger. Yes. All right. Cool. Congratulations. The app is in both uh, app stores, Google and iPhone, and it's uh, also got its own website. Thanks, John. Yo, thank you. Did you you just take a photo so that you can uh, post it somewhere? That's right, man. We're (laughs) going to need that promo later, brother. (laughs) I dig it. I love that you're doing all this promotion for Blap. I love that. Look at this. Like you're standing up in the sweatshirt. I'm just scrolling through your Instagram. You're you're talking it up. Yes, man. I'm living it. All right. Yeah, and I appreciate you being on here to do it. Thank you, and thank you all for listening. Bye, everyone. Get out of here, people.